I really, really want to start a family. I really like want to have time in nature. I really want to like get to have a lot of time with my kids and I want to have this passionate piece that I love and I, and I get to do, but I don't want it to consume me. And it feels like if I'm not working hard, I can't have the success. Welcome to the Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. Today, you all get to meet Bethany. Bethany is the founder of The Become Project, a body-neutral fitness platform, and also is an instructor of movement, really focused on movement for mental health. Bethany is also the partner of a past guest of Signal, Nico, who came on to share their journey of infertility and IVF. And we are so excited to announce that Bethany shares with us in this episode that they are pregnant. We focus in this episode on how Bethany can create room and space in her life for change. As this massive change comes into their lives, how does this affect this very important business that Bethany has founded? Where should the business go? And how will the change impact her collective, her audience, in a way that's best for them and for Bethany and her growing family. Hey, Signal listeners. A couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist, and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six-month process, and what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode. So Bethany, let's get to our time together. Fast forward to an hour from now, what would you like to say you have gotten some clarity or enlightenment or comfort around? I mean... You may have to help me narrow this in a little bit, but I feel very much like my life is on the precipice of something new and different. And I think both within like my home life, within my work life, you know, as far as my company goes, I love every single aspect of it. And I, I, love what we've done and what we're doing. But I also feel like there's a shift that's going to happen there inevitably because I'm shifting. Mm-hmm. I think, and and that's where I've felt the most like, what is next for the Become Project? What do routines look like next? Like, 
you know, I've had moments where I'm like, I don't want to be a fitness instructor for the rest of my life. Like what's realistic as I continue to build my family and is it bringing other people in? Is it, is it changing the format? Like, even though that's the one that feels a little more scary for me to talk about publicly because people yeah. <laughs> know about it, yeah. but you know, I, if yeah. I'm being honest, Good. that's like what my heart feels tugged toward. Yeah. So just to assuage that fear of change, every organism on this planet is here to evolve and change. And that includes our businesses, our nonprofits. And in fact, when a business refuses to accept that, that's when you start to see it atrophy. Because the people around us who require our services, who require the products we create, are also evolving. And so I just want you to let that message really sink in so that the fear, because what it sounds like to me is that you're intuitively picking up that there is a shift that is going to and needs to happen. That's that's what I heard you say. And what often happens when we get an intuitive thought that's so clear, that's so different from life as we know it today, our protective mechanism, fear, pops up to say, hold on a minute. Let's just make sure that you don't get yourself in trouble here. Let's just make sure you're safe, basically. That's all it's trying to do. And so right now we're speaking to that fear voice and saying, you know what? Because we care about this organization, because we care about who it serves, we're actually going to embrace the notion that it needs to evolve just like the people that it's serving. How does that feel? Feels wonderful. (laughs) Okay. Let's breathe that in because I think that I even want, when you breathe it in, I want you to imagine just kind of it opening into this huge, vast field. And there's just green everywhere you look. And I want you to bring into this field the people that your organization serves. And I felt you smile there. As you bring these people in and we're really looking at them and feeling them, what do you sense they get from the Become Project? A sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And how specifically does the Become Project Give them that. It can be heard mm-hmm. and come as they are. Mm-hmm. And in what very specific aspect currently does the Become Project allow them to be seen as they are? I think through the instruction that I give within the, the movement sessions themselves, like mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you take a workout class and it's like, if you drop out of this, not you suck, but like Mm -hmm. you have to Mm -hmm. stay in it or you have to get lower. You have to go more push, push, push. And I think one of the biggest things that I work to do is like reverse that way of thinking and really try to bring body autonomy to the person taking the class and like putting it back to them, right? Like, what do you need? And when you're listening to your body, it's always right. There is no wrong way to listen to your body or to respect your body or to acknowledge and take the things that you need. Okay, great. So if you look to the left of this field, I just want you to see kind of like a a very simple house, just four boxes, four walls and a roof. Mm-hmm. Let's just envision yourself walking towards it. You're going to see a wooden door. Just turn the handle, very simple handle. Let's walk in. And I want you to really smell that kind of wood smell. 
Mm-hmm. You can tell that you're inside. How do you feel in this space? Like it's like dusty. Like it's mm-hmm. um, a little dusty, a little dirty, a little damp, a little dark. Mm-hmm. And how's that making you feel in your body? Like I want to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> a little icky. <laughs> icky. Okay. All right. Perfect. This is the little home where all the fears collect together. They don't get a lot of oxygen. Lack of oxygen is a good way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. If we're really sensing, like you sensed outside the collective that that needs the Become Project, let's sense in here the counter to that. The things that are holding the Become Project back. And just as you sense them, let's list them out. What are all of the fears? What are all the thoughts? What are all the elements in here that are saying it can't grow? Lack of funding. Mm-hmm. If I'm being 100% honest, it's how hard do I want to work for it? Mm-hmm. How much work? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I you know, read stories about other founders or these huge companies that, you know, do all these things. And I'm like, I don't want that life. I don't want to like be chained to my work, sent up until sundown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, really want to start a family. I really like want to have time in nature. I really want to like get to have a lot of time with my kids and I want to have this passionate piece that I love and I, and I get to do, but I don't want it to consume me. And it feels mm-hmm. like I can't have both. Like if I'm not mm. working hard, I can't have uh, the success. Yep. So we just hit a major limiting belief system. I'm going to make note of that because we're going to go back and really look at that limiting belief that was implanted into you, by the way. That's not an intuitive thought. That is something that was incepted and is incepted in a lot of us. So in here, we're sensing lack of funding. We're sensing this idea that you have to give even more of yourself. Is there anything else that's coming up? I think that the giving of myself is like that applies to a lot of things. Because we don't have funding, you know, it relies on like me and my Instagram. And sometimes I feel like I have to be like sharing so much of my personal self. I struggle a lot with like how Mm -hmm. much of my personal self do I want to give and how much do I want to keep to myself. And I've been feeling lately more and more like I want to be a really private person, but I feel like I've set up my life in a way that like I can't be a private person. Mm Mm-hmm as I do a public podcast, you know, like, I don't know. It's just this, (laughs) it's like a bit of a pull. Mm, So it's asking for even more of you from a personal standpoint, Mm -hmm. not just time, not just hard work, but like sharing even more of you that that you're feeling you want to guard or keep more private. Right. Okay. One trend that you may have noticed this season is that a lot of our guests' personal and professional lives and challenges are really interlinked and intertwined. And that's what we're finding here with Bethany naturally, because as I tell people in the corporate world all the time, we are one person. 
and this idea that we split ourselves into a professional self and a life self is really toxic. That's what creates environments at work where people don't bring their full authentic selves to the table, where people are pretending and performing for the sake of looking a certain way or projecting perfectionism. And the learning for us as we evolve and move forward is how to, as uncomfortable as it is, bring our whole selves, including the life, including the human side, into our professional selves and show up in that holistic way consistently. All right, so I think that this is actually the crux of the fear. Am I right? Are mm-hmm. we are we missing anything else? No. Okay. So I actually want you to really envision yourself walking over to that same door. And this time when you grab it, I want you to pull it and fling it open so that it opens wide. And as you do that, I want you to see all of that breeze and sun that was pouring in on the field start to pour into the house. Take a deep breath and really feel it expanding in. Feel that air kind of just come through and cleanse the dust. And you still can sense your collective out there looking to the horizon with this desire to be seen by the larger world. Really sense that. And we're just going to hold that there and open your eyes. So there's an interesting dichotomy happening here in what you are sensing that your collective needs from the Become Project as they grow in their needs and they evolve and your fears. What is the next step beyond being taught how to do something? Doing it yourself. Uh Uh-huh. And then once you've done it yourself, what are you then able to do? Teach someone else. So if you are the seedling that is starting this movement about body neutrality, about movement itself being about feeling good in your body and not so result-oriented, and you're at the center. I just want you, I want you to imagine like concentric circles. There you are. And then you're teaching your collective, which is kind of a ring that reverberates out from you. For some of those people, what might they be able to do to increase the ring? They become teachers. Mm-hmm. And that reverberates out. Right. How does the notion that not only have I learned to be positive about my body in whatever it looks like, but I've actually now learned it so deeply I can teach it. How does that fulfill the need to be seen by the world? I mean, I think the idea of like bringing in people to teach others or like teacher training has always been something I thought about and actually is in my background. I used to be what I did before the Become Project. I taught instructors. For some reason, something about that also feels like fearful to me. Okay, great. Let's go there. What is the fear attached to that? I want it, and maybe it's like around trusting other people or being worried that like the message will get watered down or like my own ability to like 
let go. I, I think one of the hardest things I found about being a business owner is managing people and finding people mm-hmm. to work with for you. And like, keep, like that's a whole other side of business owning that I didn't even know would consume the majority of your time. And it feels mm-hmm. scary to open it up to even more people coming in. Does people coming in mean you have to manage them? It feels like it does. Okay, great. So then let's go there. And let's go at the actually the bigger fear, which is loss of control. Correct. Yes. What is that fear really worried about? Let's do this, actually. If I bring in more people and, and train them on how to teach this, mm-hmm. I will lose, it will water down the method, the methodology. Right. Or, or the message. Okay. That it would start to feel like commercial or something. You know? Okay. So we will lose the message. Why are you afraid of that? I think because I have, I don't know, a certain style or a certain standard or... uh, My standards are high? Yes, my standards are high. (laughs) Why? Why are your standards high? I know what I like and what I don't like. Mm -hmm. Why do you have such clarity on what you like and what you don't like? It's like my own perfectionism, Mm -hmm. my own, you know, uh, feelings of not, you know, you can't be a loser, not losing. This is definitely something that's come up in therapy. (laughs) There we go. Thank you. (laughs) So we are actually afraid of being not good enough. Yeah? Yeah. Talk to me about your relationship with not being good enough. What do you feel like is the first real time in life that that felt present for you? <laughs> I am the youngest of three brothers and I have amazing brothers and I have an amazing family. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, they're all wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but my brothers are like six years, nine years and 12 years older than me. So there is a pretty decent Mm -hmm. age gap. And so age gap already like, you know, you're not as developed, you're not as strong, you're not as whatever, like there's already a distance there. And then I also think that like gender expectations um, were really, really woven into my childhood where kind of like the boys could do certain things and the girls couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was also raised like um, in a really religious environment that was uh, incredibly, incredibly strict. So yeah. I think as far as like the not like my family's very competitive, very into sports. My brothers are uh, amazing athletes and um you know, have gone on to play and to coach and to teach. And the sports that were available for me weren't the same as the things that were available for them. So like, you know, they all played basketball, but like girls basketball, we turned up our nose up because, ew, it's girls basketball. So then like, I couldn't get into basketball, you know, like cheerleading is kind of where I ended up finding home and actually one of the reasons why I probably teach movement today because I uh, like taught for a cheerleading company down the road, whatever, like 
cheerleading was one of those ways that I was able to like be the athlete. But I don't think that like that ever showed to them. And so, you know, I tried to play softball and I like wasn't good at softball. And I, I, I feel that sense of like the not being good enough or not winning. uh, When I think about it, it comes up around that idea in my, in my childhood. We just heard Bethany share with us some of the inherited limiting belief systems that came from the circles of her family unit, her religious upbringing, her community. And these things have such a pervasive and really successful way of embedding themselves into who we believe we are. And in order to get to our own truth, in order to understand what it is we really desire and have desired since childhood, it's really important to see those things as separate from us. So we are going to spend some time here with Bethany really trying to understand what her as a core self wants and desires outside of these other influences. When you feel this sense of not being good enough, just like really invite that feeling of I'm not good enough in. I don't like that feeling. I know. That's why we're going to work with it. Because it's just asking for some love. So when that feeling of I'm not good enough comes in, where do you feel it in your body? Um, well, I feel like a lump in my throat because I feel a little tearful. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe like high in my stomach, like underneath my breastbone. Okay. So put your hands underneath your breastbone for me and close your eyes and really envision I'm not good enough as just kind of a, just sitting right there and really breathe into it. How old is, how old are they? The one sitting right there on your breastbone saying I'm not good enough. There's definitely a, a, a younger self in there, but there's also definitely like a 35 year old in there. Okay. How old is the younger one? Seven, nine. Mm, Okay, let's let's bring eight into focus. We'll meet in the middle. Let's really look at their face. What does feeling like they're not good enough feel like to this eight-year-old? Defensive. And I also Mm -hmm. think the age is like 10, 11, 12. Okay, great. So she's defensive. And she is defensive because she's what? What is she feeling? What's making her defensive? Like angry? You're like, yes, I am. (laughs) Mm. What does she really want in this moment? Uh, To be listened to. Like I feel like she kind of has like on tough face, but but she but she's like really scared. Or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like needs like you can let the wall down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that defensiveness is her mechanism for protecting herself. Right. And so underneath that protection, there's a desire. That defense mechanism is protecting a desire that is unmet. What is that desire she has? You said to be listened to. Is there more? 
yeah, to like be free, to get to uh, choose or to, to. Hmm. Beautiful. I want you to really envision yourself now at this age, standing right next to her. And I want you to say to her, you have my full attention. I'm here to listen. What do you want to say? What does she say to you? I'm really hurting. Mm. Does she want to tell you why? I mean, my dad died around this time. Mm. Mm-hmm. She just feels like she can't be sad because everyone else will crumble. Mm. I want you to say to her, it's okay to be sad. It's natural to be sad. And it's not your job to protect the grown-ups around you. That's their job. You can be sad. What does she need right now? First thing that came to my mind is a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) First thing that I heard is someone to listen. Someone to really be there for me. (laughs) All right. So she needs someone to be there for her. Someone to really listen. Some place to feel really seen. Some place to be able to be in desire of whatever she wants and not be judged for it. Not feel that it's bad or wrong or dangerous. So now we have a sense of her desires. We have a sense of what she really wants. Who can give that to her right now. Like an actual person that exists in her life or me? Mm-hmm. Is it you? I mean, that is my first, Adult that you? Is my first thought, yeah. Adult you, perfect. So I just want you to go ahead and say to her, I'm here now. Really say that with all your heart. I see you. I hear you. You don't have to be perfect to receive love or acceptance. You are exactly as you are, absolutely perfect in all of your wants and desires and unmet needs. Is she receiving that from you? When you're ready, I want you to take a big, deep breath and open your eyes. How do you feel right now? Exposed. (laughs) Yes, that's okay. I want you to remember this dynamic because I want you to practice this dynamic every single time the feeling of, I need to have control over this comes up. It has to be better than good enough. Every time that feeling of perfection in whatever language it uses comes up, I want you to know and see that that thought is 10-year-old you. It's not a monstrosity. It's not an ugly shadow aspect. It's not a dragon of fear. It is just 10, 11, sad-year-old you who wants to be seen for what she needs in that moment. And if you can get into the practice of in that moment stopping, And just be 
with that need from her. That need won't try to manipulate you. It won't try to take control of your current adult life. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. Because what strikes me as ironic is that what you're teaching people through this very amazing purpose that you have is how to be imperfect and accept it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the change in the business starts with you in accepting that perfection is not the message. Control is not the message. That if you want your collective to feel a certain way, you have to embody that thing. And that work comes from facing the thing we're most uncomfortable with, which is it not being perfect. We have this mythology that perfection is about meeting other people's expectations. It's not. It's about fulfilling something for us. It's about protecting us. So that flip in that dynamic is going to be really important. And if you can let go of how perfectly perfect the message comes through, Not not the general message. I never want you to let go of that. But the way that it's construed or maybe said or maybe it's this word or that word, what does that open up? for you and your collective. Then they're allowed to co-create with you. Then it goes from a business to a movement. When you're then empowering people, not only with the message, but the method, they can spread the method, which is a movement. And they will do it in their own little ways. But you allowing them to do that is you saying, yes, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be you. This is the way I do it. These are the pillars that matter. How is this all resonating for you? You know, I think this past year and and trying to conceive has been a really big lesson. And like, like the theme of last year was letting go of control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, really trying to work through that, really, really surrendering in so many ways that, I mean, obviously it's still, you know, challenging for me in certain ways, but I do think that there's been a lot of surrender and a lot of, um, giving up control and and it's a really hard thing to do. You know, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's something that it constantly working on. Um, and I think with certain aspects of the become project, it isn't perfect. And I have leaned into that quite a bit and have seen it come back to me. You know, like I had a shoot after my egg retrieval and like I was doing my intro and I just started bawling and Mm. I, you know, dried my tears and I came back on camera and I was like, I'm not going to fake it and pretend like I wasn't just like crying on set. You know, I just talked about it. And it was so well received because I think like, you know, that's a, that's a message that happens often. It's easier for me to let go of my imperfections in that sense. And I think like what we're talking about now is like letting that lead into the other aspects of the business, right? Like where that is 
is much, it's much harder for me. Uh, it's easier for me to do it within the context of movement or in the context of routines, but it's harder for me to do that when I think about like the actual platform or the technology or the, you know, the Instagram or the customer service or like the other aspects. Absolutely. And that's okay. It's okay that right now it's not all pouring in and click, 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 clicking. Because what we've done is applied a new filter to this, which is, hold on a minute. I can expand into change. And I can look at what could be next that is a little frightening. And if I can just remain open to that while also checking that perfectionism and taking care of her, the other tactical things will come to you because you're intuitive and you're brilliant at this. This is your purpose. But we just need needed to open the door so that as you're going about your day, and I have a feeling this happens when you're just like doing the dishes or whatever it might be, that an idea comes to you and then that becomes a thing. So what we're saying right now is out loud, you know what? I'm open. I'm open to the change. I'm open to letting go even more. I'm open to letting go to the extent that it frightens me. And maybe the model that I'm intuiting, where you are teaching and then they're teaching and they're teaching, maybe that's not exactly going to be the way it works out. I have a feeling down the road it will. But if right now that's not the way it is, that's okay. There will be something before that, or there will be something instead of that, that is also open and abundant and empowering to other people and not so requiring of your time and energy all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what I'd like you to really put out there is okay, I'm open. I'm ready to embrace change. I'm ready to let go a little more. And sit down for yourself and make a list of must haves in this change. You know, the universe is just waiting for instructions. So, make them very clear. And instead of resisting, like when change comes, the idea that something's changing and you contract, the discomfort's going to be literally, even in your body language, like, nope, I'm going to open. And I gave you that visual of the field and the dark, dingy house and the door swinging open because that's what I want you to visualize. When the tr contraction comes in, whoosh, door swings open and your collective is there with their needs and desires and it's bright and it comes into this place. And I want to tell you something, when you're trying to change things and create more space for yourself, no is a very abundant word. <laughs> Equally as scary. Right. But what do you think I mean by that? I mean, what I heard was knowing when it's okay to say no and not take on something else that you can't, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. So when you make this list, I want you to look at this list and I want you to feel what this list feels like. Like, wow, if I had all these things, what would I feel like? Really put a feeling to all of them. That's going to be your barometer moving forward. If something comes in and it matches that feeling, it's a yes. If something comes in and it does not feel like that, that's a no. Right, right. That's how we start to play with no so that it is in line with our truth. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Does that resonate? Yeah.
You just heard me share one of my most popular mantras that I use in my coaching, which is that no is an abundant word. And that is quite a controversial statement, particularly to people who are highly successful, highly achieving, type A personalities. And I really want those of you who felt a ping of discomfort in hearing that to really try and examine what is it about no that makes you uncomfortable. I only use that mantra with my high achieving type A personalities because what I find is that those of us who are constantly pushing ourselves to achieve, who are constantly looking to be successful and therefore get the nod from others that they like what we're doing or they resonate from us, is that we constantly push ourselves even when it is outside of our boundaries, even when we need something else, even when we need space or time to take care of ourselves. And so for those of us that are constantly pushing ourselves, no becomes abundant because it opens us up to this other side of us that needs and wants to be cared for. And when we're able to pay attention to that side that needs and wants to be cared for, and we're saying no to the things that don't serve us, we're actually creating more space for the things that do serve us, that do fit into our desires to come in. And that's how no becomes abundant. Your priorities are about to change dramatically. And we want to get you to let go before then. So you can be fully present in the experience of parenthood. Right. And we want to get you that experience. We want you to be present with your pregnancy, with your delivery, with the baby being an infant, and so Mm -hmm. on and so on. I mean, obviously, how long you wait is relative because there's plenty of people who have waited longer than we have. But I feel so like open when it comes to the baby, you know, so like even just like being sick, you know, during this trimester, I'm like, yes, I'm sick. Like it's working. Like, you know what I mean? Like I feel so like exposed. Whereas I've had some friends who have known they want to get pregnant and have gotten pregnant, like for, you know, right away first try, um, which is also beautiful. And, but I, I think that when that happens, you know, there is a little bit like you have to do all your processing while you're also processing the pregnancy. It kind of happens at the same time. Like I've actually felt more grateful for our infertility journey because I'm like, oh, I think that this has prepared me emotionally in ways that I really needed, which, you know, of course, hindsight is 2020, but I, I really do have like a lot of gratitude for the time just even watching Nico and I's, you know, relationship during this time has just grown even stronger than before. It's wild to me, you know, how, how close this experience has brought us. Um, and I think it's really going to make us better parents or, you know, so I hope. Yeah, absolutely. And how beautiful to be in that gratitude because it gives you such perspective. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to like really take a deep breath and check in with yourself. What is your biggest takeaway from your session today? What are you going to carry forward with? I, like what's really resonating for me is like not having to have it all figured out 
and still taking steps forward. Whereas I feel like it's oftentimes when I think about what's next, things just feel really stuck and like my feet mm -hmm. feel really stuck. And mm -hmm. so my takeaway would be to try to still, you know, slip out of the shoes that are stuck and just keep, keep running. Yeah. Beautiful. I just got something for you, which was, um, it's okay to do nothing and let it work out organically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's okay to do nothing. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself, Anais Aslami, and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal. Signal.